Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Jorlock, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm excited for our conversation today because I'm joined by someone who has become a dear friend to me and to our center, Dr. Matthew Kim. Dr. Kim serves as Professor of Practical Theology and the Hubert H. and Gladys S. Rayborn Chair of Pastoral Leadership at Truett Theological Seminary. He has authored and edited several books, including Preaching to People in Pain, uh, Preaching with Cultural Intelligence, Seven Lessons for New Pastors, and the book that we're discussing today, Preaching to a Divided Nation, a seven-step model for promoting reconciliation and unity. It's so good to have you back on the podcast, Dr. Kim. Uh, Thanks for joining today's discussion on Preaching to a Divided Nation. Uh, It's a conversation uh, based off of your latest book that you co-wrote with Paul Hoffman. Thanks, Ranjur. It's great to be with you always. Yes, yes, yes. So let's jump right in. So uh, uh, to get the conversation started, uh, once you share a little bit about your book, uh, why did you write this and, and what do you hope to accomplish from it? My friend Paul Hoffman had written a paper for EHS, the Evangelical Homiletic Society, on a similar topic of uh, reconciliation and unity and how do we preach that. And he was the actual architect of this book in thinking through you know, what does it mean for us as pastors and preachers and Christians today to try to alleviate some of the obstacles in being Christianly toward each other and loving each other as Christ has called us to. So he actually asked me to, to co-author this book with him. So I give all the credit to Paul. I'm not going to take any credit for that. Uh, it was his idea. Mm-hmm. And I've known Paul for over 20 years. We went to seminary together. Uh, he's a, a Caucasian American from Maine. And I'm a Korean-American from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, we became friends over these years and stayed in touch. And in some ways, our friendship is a representation of what we're trying to accomplish in this book Mm. in that he and I have had many conversations about our differences as well as our similarities. And as we collaborated on this book, uh, it emerged uh, into these seven steps. And so... What we're trying to accomplish through the book is to get us to start thinking as believers and as pastors and preachers to think through how do we grow in empathy toward each other? How do we try to understand the other person's life? How do we help the congregation think along these terms biblically and theologically and to guide them in this process? All right. All right. Well, uh, I, I really... I uh, think that this is a, a fabulous resource uh, for uh, pastors, uh, fabulous resource for lay people as well, uh, just to think through um, uh, not just kind of the, the current moment, uh, but even how we can uh, we can get through it uh, by God's grace. Uh, what are some of the factors that contribute to our nation being so divided? Uh, and, and, and maybe along with that, how do we see it infiltrating the church? Mm. Well, we tackle some of the isms that divide us, typically. They are classism, Mm -hmm. ethnocentrism, Mm -hmm. sexism, and we're calling it essentially political polarization-ism. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so 
what we're really trying to accomplish is to help the church recognize that we have blind spots. Mm -hmm. And there are places in our ministries where even in our preaching or uh, counseling or meeting in small groups that we typically avoid these topics, even though they are and have infiltrated church because of culture. Mm -hmm. And we have in many ways adopted uh, the culture in different areas of our lives. Uh, I would I would give the uh, example of politics as probably one of the biggest areas where Christians fall into uh, basically the world standards. And we have, we've looked at each other through the, the angle of politics and division. Um, and so these things have created in congregations various rifts that we don't even recognize are happening. And so that's why we're trying to uh, get preachers to think about how is it that we may be contributing to the problem? Uh, are we even acknowledging some of these issues? Particularly if you think about this month that we're in right now, uh, uh, Black History Month, now, are we talking about race? Are we talking about racial division? Are we talking about Martin Luther King? Are we talking about these things that are so deep and penetrating in our culture? Uh, how are we doing in the church? And are we wrestling with these issues? Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we we at least I know from my own personal experience that you know when I'll address some of these issues uh, in church when I'll talk about some of these things uh, with with um, whether it be uh, church leaders in in past years or whether it's uh, with church members um, that that one of the responses that I'll get is that you know we don't want to we don't want to talk politics or we don't want to bring politics into the church or we don't want to you know we don't want to have these types of things and i've had a couple of responses uh one uh we don't have to bring politics in here so let's talk scripture um because scripture talks about all of these things um long before you know there was even an america uh you know to have a an american political system and political strife and all of that all of these things you know have existed from you know from the beginning it's existed since the fall of man uh and and so you know you want to talk about crime and you want to talk about um uh you know the murder of the innocent and and all that okay well we don't need to go to the headlines and talk about that we could just go back to Cain and Abel and recognize that this is in the heart of man uh that this is you know all of this you know has been around uh it just kind of manifests itself in various different ways and various different forms but we're talking about essentially the same kinds of things in terms of human depravity uh, the other thing is, uh, if we're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ, if we're supposed to bear witness to Christ and his kingdom, then then we ought to be well versed in the world that we're you know that we're talking about and the world that we're meant to go uh, go into uh, to address. Um, and that means that we do need to be equipped. We do need to know what's going on, and we do need to know how to think through these things um, in a way that will glorify Christ. Oh, absolutely. You, you said it better than I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so in your book, you provide seven different steps for promoting reconciliation and unity within churches. So why don't we just take some time and, and, and walk through those? Um, okay, uh, sure. You know, so uh, you had step one, the theological step, uh, the, you know, dealing with the sins of pride and prejudice, uh, the contextual step, uh, America's past and present reality, uh, the personal step, uh, facing our sin and acknowledging our prejudices, 
Uh, the positional step, we're, we're heralds, we're not heart changers, which is an excellent, excellent uh, point there. The methodological step, uh, which is a homiletic for reconciliation and unity. Uh, the practical step, which is dealing with pre-sermon, mid-sermon, and post-sermon practices. And then finally, the categorical step, uh, which is dealing with biblical themes and texts. Um, why don't you, you could walk through all of them or, or some of them, uh, but just kind of uh, uh, introduce our, our audience to uh, how each of these steps uh, promote reconciliation and unity. Yeah, great. Thank you. The theological step as we begin, we're trying to understand the whole concept of preaching on division. Hmm. And so where does division come from? It comes from sin. It comes from fallenness, as, as you mentioned earlier. And so we're trying to deal with the biblical themes uh, regarding creation and fall and, and redemption and all that. And we're trying to help the, the church understand that we begin with, with the Bible and theology. This is where, uh, as you mentioned earlier, we're not preaching politics or sexism and classism independent of Scripture. And theology. So that's why we start with theology and the, the theological step. The contextual step is really having us look through um, a, a concept called historical intelligence. Hmm. And this was not really a, a concept that blew up uh, like cultural intelligence or anything like that. But historical intelligence is really gathering a knowledge of our context mm -hmm. and what's happened in our history, what's happened not just uh, in our nation, but in the world as well as localized history. So what's been happening in our neighborhoods and in our, in our communities and our congregations and to be able to acknowledge that we are tainted, we're, we're tainted with sin, we're tainted with these kinds of issues of these isms that plague us. And the personal step is really helping us do some inventory, self-reflection on what does it mean for us to be pastors who as sinners uh, saved by grace ourselves, how do we reconcile these things in ourselves? And what's, what's, what are we battling? What are some prejudices that we might hold uh, that we need to reflect on? The positional step is to acknowledge that we're finite beings and we don't preach masterful sermons that immediately change the congregation and transform them. Uh, we are to be heralds. We're to be people who proclaim the word of God truthfully with love and winsomeness. And at the same time, the positional step is really to help us to see that no matter how great a sermon we preach, we can't change people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the work of the Spirit. That's the work of our, our, our great triune God who can only do that for us. And so we pray, and we pray for that to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the methodological step is a process that I've been thinking about, and just it's a very simple thing in terms of getting us to consider some of these areas of our lives where maybe our preaching is not so uh, helpful sometimes in our tone, in the word choices that we make, uh, in our attitudes, in the uh, some of the nonverbal things that we may say or not say. And so that uh, process, uh, we, we have created a, a basic rubric of, of how to move through um, the process of becoming graceful preachers, people who really are helping us to bridge gaps and, and overcome divides. The practical step uh, is something that I thought of in terms of uh, what does it mean for us to actually do this in practice? And so uh, thinking about pre-sermon practices, um, you know, what, what kind of um, homework have we done? Uh, what are some of the things that we can prepare ourselves for as we begin to preach on these topics? Maybe we need to spend some time 
uh, talking to others before we actually put a sermon together. Mm -hmm. uh, Mid-sermon practices would be something like, um, as I'm preaching, how do I self-evaluate my tone or my facial expressions? Uh, these are basic you know, things that as preachers and communicators we do naturally. But I think when it comes to preaching on isms, we have to be particularly careful how we preach and, and the manner in which we preach. And then finally, uh, the post-sermon practices, how do we get the congregation involved in this? How do we get buy-in? How do we get leaders and people in the church who are serving in different ministries value reconciliation and unity? How do we make it proactive and intentional? And so I offer a, a couple of guidances there. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the practical step. And the last step is the categorical step. And here uh, we wanted we wanted to just provide some key biblical themes and biblical passages from the Old and New Testaments that can help us navigate some of these challenges um, as, as we preach and, and what are some key texts uh, that we can really focus on and as well as the biblical themes. Yeah, yeah, all of that is so helpful and um, and and definitely uh, uh, edifying as as we as we kind of think through this. Um, as as a preacher, I'm, 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 I know you've you've dealt with this too as a as a uh, both as a preacher and as a teacher of preachers. Um, it's easy for us as as uh, you know the ones who are holding the microphone. <laughs> Uh, to to turn it into the soapbox, right? You know, we 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 have the moment, we've got the mic. You know, we can easily uh, take it and say, "Well, what I think is," <laughs> and and so on. And I know you've seen it before. I I've definitely seen it over the years. Um, how do we keep from from becoming the pundit? You know the the one who's you know where here's here's the way that you're supposed to uh, uh, you're supposed to think about this you know here's here's the the political party that you're supposed to side with or or all of these different things how do we how do we keep or or maybe a better question is should we uh, you know be that you know uh, you know are there places where it is appropriate to take a position um, or or is it better for us to kind of step back and go how about let me just give you the 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 biblical principles and let you decide side for yourself? Yeah, great question. The, the short answer would be give them the scripture in as objective and neutral position as you can mm -hmm. and allow them to think about and ponder what God is saying in a particular text. Uh, for example, if you're looking at first Peter and first Peter uh, and Peter tells us to pray for our leaders mm -hmm. uh, and, and government officials? Uh, did he say that we should vote for a Republican or Democrat or independent? No. Mm -hmm. But the principle is that they need wisdom. Yeah. They need, they need God to help navigate a culture that is lost and to, to provide uh, stability for all and equality for all and, and justice for all and, and such. The, the preacher's job is, I don't think, to prescribe a, a, a system, a political mm -hmm. system or party. We are there to encourage the body of Christ to in our that in our disagreements and in our uh, differing opinions about these. And, and sometimes these are very strong opinions. How do we still love and reconcile the fact that this kingdom uh, that we think is permanent is actually very temporal? Mm -hmm. Uh, we are part of a grander 
larger eternal mission to bring people to the Christ and we're to help make disciples. And discipleship is not just about getting it right. It's about the process of our heart change and becoming more Christ-like. So for me, I think that the best thing for me to do, I, for example, I, I gave a sermon series years ago at my church where I basically went through polar opposites in terms of doctrine. So for example, uh, preaching on election uh, versus uh, the, your choice in terms of uh, Calvinism and mm -hmm. Arminianism. Mm -hmm. And I still remember the time where, and, and some people may cringe on this, but I, I gave both perspectives equally as best as I could. And after the service, one church member came up to me and he said, Pastor Matt, I always thought I was a Calvinist, but I think today I've shifted my mind and now I'm a, I'm a, a Arminian, Wesleyan. And I thought, you know, some people would say, oh my goodness, how could you, how could you make that happen in that person's life? Well, I, I, I didn't. That was a personal conviction. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, I think that as we talk about sexism, classism, and all these isms, we're not prescribing. We're, we're allowing the congregation to, to think for themselves and to come to the conclusion. And not just for that particular issue, but what's the bigger picture? What is God doing through classism? What is God doing through ethnocentrism and such mm -hmm. and, and gender and sexism and all that? And what is the church responsible for in terms of uh, helping uh, grow in maturity in these areas? So. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's a long-winded answer to really get to the point that um, it's not our job to prescribe. Mm -hmm. It's it's to uh, show them uh, the gospel mm -hmm. and, and how the gospel intersects with these different aspects of life. Yeah, yeah. What I found uh, also in, in uh, just the regular exposition of the scriptures is that you will uh, find that what scripture has to say, kind of scripture's perspective on on a lot of the topics that that we're you know we're kind of battling over uh, culturally. Scripture's perspective is is just different. <laughs> it's just right, different. Yeah. Um, you know, take for instance, you know, the issue of 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 sexism. Uh, one thing that I've I've been uh, struck by in my reading of the scriptures is. Is just how the the Bible and and our Lord um, value women, while at the same time acknowledging uh, the sinfulness of of women, along with you know the sinfulness of men. You know, acknowledging the value of of man and of of uh, of men and masculinity and femininity and so on. There's this dignity, you know, to both. And therefore, you know, they, they are to be upheld, they're to be valued, they're to be cherished. Um, and yet the reality that sin is not a one-way street. Uh, you know, sin is not exclusive to men. Sin is not exclusive to women. Uh, even as, you know, we talk in terms of ethnocentrism, uh, you know, depravity is not an, an ethnicity. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and certainly dignity is not an ethnicity. And so the Bible speaks honestly uh, about about us, you know, that, hey, you know, um, there are uh, even when we talk in terms of uh, in terms of economics and, and kind of the socioeconomic uh, disparities and so on. You read in the Old Testament with uh, with Torah, and you see that the Bible talks uh, much about partiality 
um, you know, uh, 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 favoring the rich, you know, favoring the wealthy. Obviously, they've got the resources and so on. They can get the the lawyers. They can, you know, they can lawyer up and all of that. And yet, the scriptures are also uh, all, they also warn against partiality towards the poor. Uh, and so there's this sense of the law is meant to uh, to protect, you know, the poor who have been violated and mistreated and oppressed and so on. Uh, but it doesn't favor in the sense of if there are some from, you know, uh, uh, you know, that that are impoverished, some who lack with the resources and things like that. But if they commit crimes, if they sin against the Lord, according, to, you know, according to the Old Testament law, uh, well, they're to be held accountable for that as well. And so there's just this sense um, in which the categories that we have culturally just simply don't account for reality <laughs> the way that the scriptures do. And yeah. and as you read the scriptures, you recognize the nuance. You recognize, you know, that that you've got to kind of shave off <laughs> some of these, you know, some of these uh, uh, sharp edges to our categories uh, because, yeah, the Bible is just it's just a better testimony of of who we are and uh, and and a better testimony, of course, of of how God um, made us and how God you know wants us to become in Christ. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. And I think what you're really uh, touching on is so significant because bottom line, I think we reflect the culture too much. Mm. And Christ is countercultural. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think you're absolutely right. We need to get back to what does Scripture say, and remove that filter or lens that we read Scripture with, with our own biases and, and opinions, and to just simply say, what is God saying here? Yeah. And what is God saying to the people of God back then, and how does that apply to our lives today? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So how can pastors lead their churches in this way? How, obviously, as a pastor, you're not a pastor of a bunch of little churches. <laughs> uh, you're a pastor of a church, one whole local body. How do you lead your churches towards unity without, without getting into, you know, the, the muck, you know, of division and divisiveness and, 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 and all of that? How, how do you shepherd well? Right. Yeah, I think that's a a delicate thing for each congregation. Mm -hmm. And so what Paul and I are not trying to advocate for is a wholesale, every week you're going to be preaching on a, a topic like this. It, sure. it is very, very uh, something that should be judicious and wise and prayerful. Mm -hmm. um, the leadership really is about, is, a, is really a two and multiple pronged leadership. It's from the pulpit. Uh, carefully, prayerfully, in consultation with your leadership. Uh, there's just so much that we don't want to just have people become, they, they read this book and they say, oh, every week I'm going to preach on an ism, and that could explode your church. Mm -hmm. it, it can make it implode. So we want rather to encourage us as pastors and preachers to do this as the Spirit leads, meaning this year I might focus on one of these isms the one that might be most pervasive in our church. Maybe we can couple the, the preaching series with a small group ministry, mm. studying the Bible together, reading, praying about these issues. Maybe it's uh, having a worship night where we confess our sins mm. and some of these things uh, may emerge to the surface that 
yes, I struggle with one of these isms or another sin. So for us, the pulpit is just one mechanism. It's one medium that God uses to be able to communicate to the church at large. But at the same time, we don't see this in the, uh, independent from the other aspects of ministry. So this should be done in conjunction with uh, leadership, prayer. Uh, maybe it's a studying of the, the Bible together on these different topics. Maybe it's reading a book and discussing it among our leaders or small groups. Uh, maybe it's about having town hall meetings and reflecting on these. Uh, so for us, we really believe that as the family of God, sometimes family members, as family members, we have to talk about tough things. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about tough things. And my family just recently talked about tough things. Mm -hmm. And not everyone's going to like what we talk about. And not everyone's going to like what we share. Mm -hmm. But if we're the family of God, we can't avoid these issues. Yeah. There are issues that need to be discussed and prayed about. And even if we disagree, that unity is the goal. Mm -hmm. Jesus' John 17 prayer does not change, <laughs> mm -hmm. depending mm -hmm. on the context. Yeah, His goal is always unity as the Trinity is united. So in the same way, the people of God, the, the pastor, preacher, teacher, we are called to help our churches reconcile, as Paul tells us in Second Corinthians five, Second uh, Corinthians five, seventeen and twenty-one. Mm -hmm. We are to be ministers of reconciliation. That is our call. It's not for the world to do it. It's for the church to do it. And if the church is to do it, the preacher, pastor, uh, in my opinion and Paul's opinion, we we are to engage in these matters because they're significant. Not just for uh, the church. It's for the world to see the church united. Mm -hmm. It's for the world to see that all these different. Uh, faces and gender and 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 political views and uh, finances, all of this impacts the kingdom of God. And so, when the church can be the church, uh, that's when uh, the most beautiful thing happens. When this the world sees the gospel. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Scott Sauls, uh, who mm. recently posted um, a quote from G.K. Uh, Chesterton, uh, Chesterton, who said, "The only legitimate argument against Christianity is Christians." Mm. the only legitimate argument against christianity is christians so that's the call of the christian how do we overcome our divisions and how do we love each other in spite of our differences so that the glory of god would be manifested in our church yeah yeah you know i i come back to ephesians 4 uh 11 to 16 i come back to the entire letter of ephesians um, yeah absolutely it is just such a foundational uh letter uh, for how we think about the church and and even and especially as as pastors how we think about um, you know the nature of the body and just the beauty of the body but chapter 4 verses 11 to 16 is is just a text that I come back to over and over and over again and what you said just resonates with it he said um, that the Lord uh, having ascended into heaven he gives gifts to all you know quoting from the Psalms and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, literally to a mature man. Uh, so you grow up into, into you know, maturity, into, into manhood, if you will, in terms of uh, uh, the body of Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful vision of what the church is. As we, as we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, as we, as we uh, speak the truth in love, uh, the the Lord works through the ministry of the word, and just as you said, not 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 exclusive to the pulpit. Uh, the ministry of the word should, uh, using Jonathan Lehman's term, reverberate, you know, into yeah. uh, into every aspect of the of the of the church family, so that uh, the Lord through the word is 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 knitting us together, joining us together, kind of joint by joint, bone by bone, you know, tendon by tendon. He's he's connecting us together so that we're all moving in you in unity uh in Christ. And as he says at the end, that the body is is uh building itself up in love. Uh, and and what a vision that is for for this. All of the potential that we have for, uh, you know, not just you know, for the people, but for us as pastors to be tossed to and fro. You know, next issue comes up. Oh, here we go. You know, and here comes the tossing. You know, here comes the next issue. and We're tossed in the other direction. Here comes another issue. and We're tossed again. And, and, and all of this, we have the opportunity through the truth, through the steady uh, uh, ministry of the, of the scriptures, ministry of the word in the local church, we're fortifying one another. Uh, and connecting ourselves to one another so that we are living out the love of Jesus uh, through the truth of the scriptures uh, in our communities and, and bearing witness to him across the nations. I mean, that is, that is a fabulous vision. Um, there are some days where it feels like we're a, a bit of a ways off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but just as you uh, uh, demonstrate in your book, um, it, you know, just because it's a far off doesn't mean it's not accessible. Uh, you know, by God's grace, we we can get there uh, if we continue to love well, and we, as as Paul says, we speak the truth in love well. Uh, so thank you so much for your for your book, and and thank you for uh, for your insights. Are there any other? Um, uh, words of encouragement that you could give to uh, to those that are listening. Uh, maybe there's some that are dealing with that divisiveness. I mean, you obviously know uh, the last couple of years have been um, interesting <laughs> with, with uh, across the the spectrum uh, with many of our churches. Any words of encouragement you want to give, even to those who may be going through it right now? Yeah. Well, you you said so many great things, uh, especially in that last segment there. Um, I'm just wanting to let you pastors know that the seminary exists for the church hmm. and my my mission in life is to equip and encourage pastors hmm. and having been a pastor i know the the loneliness and the challenges that we we go through as, as servants of, of god and i just want to encourage you to um, know that you are loved hmm. you are loved by uh, not not just our, our great triune God, you're loved by seminaries and you're loved by uh, 
uh, nonprofit organizations. We appreciate the church. We appreciate pastors. And uh, our, our goal is not to um, have this book guilt you into doing things. Rather, we want to encourage you that why, you know, basically asking the question, why would we allow the, the world to do this? We are at the forefront of gospel reconciliation and unity. Hmm. So that, that's our prayer. Um, if, if you uh, pick up the copy of the book and you, you read through it and you disagree, then we disagree. But um, we will still love each other and I will love you and I will continue to pray for pastors. So thanks, Ranjiro, for having me today. And I pray that our world and nation um, will be more united day by day until we see Christ face to face. Amen. Amen. Well, that will do it for us today. Dr. Kim, thank you so much for taking time to join the discussion this week. And and I want to encourage our listeners to check out Dr. Kim's new book and uh, also all of the other books that he's written. Uh, he, he's been on a tear uh, for the last uh, last several years, uh, just, just churning out books. And so we're very grateful for uh, uh, for just his uh, his gift uh, to the church and for the resources that he's uh, that he's written, we know they would make excellent additions uh, to your bookshelves. And I want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, if you found this episode helpful, consider leaving us a five star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback that you're willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And so finally, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.